welcome to episode 9 of The Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. This week the Podding Shed is a little crowded, what with all the jerry cans and Cornish pasties stacked up. As seasoned Chelsea fans, the occupants of this fine establishment know a crisis when we see one, so better safe than sorry. However, Mark has gazed into his crystal ball and has foreseen there may be a shortage of Podding Podding Shed episodes in the future, so we do advise that while there is no need to panic, you should keep your iPod, other MP3 players are available, topped up with our ramblings if at all possible. In short, keep calm and download the Podding Shed. I think we might be able to make a t-shirt out of that. With me, Der Kaiser, or Johnny as I'm otherwise known, as always are Grosser Jack, who is Tony, Mark25, who is Mark... And the good Dr. Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Much to talk about this week. We will start off with Benfica. There's a musical pause here. Ah, <laughs> you caught him. You caught him on the hop. Seamless. Absolutely seamless. Wonderful. Thank you, Donal. Um, the... Um, we, we predicted um, a, a team between us um, last week on the Podding Shed um, that would start against Benfica and, and got it horribly wrong. Um, a brave move for Roberto Di Matteo, um, a team not dissimilar to the one that started against um, Napoli um, for Andre Villas-Boas, which is um, ultimately what, what cost him the job. Um, Roberto Di Matteo, a good week for him. Um, we will start, obviously, with the Benfica game, um, an excellent away performance in, you know perfect in, in every sense of the word a clean sheet an away goal um, a series of great performances from squad players who maybe don't get the time that they would like on the pitch um, Tony we'll start off with you your thoughts on the game please it was uh, it was Mourinho-esque wasn't it it was a, it was a throwback to the days of um, patient um, confident uh, aggressive football um still a little bit slow on the build up but i think overall we um <clears throat> i think that the, the, the as the game went on um i i never ever felt a panic button inside me thinking oh my god here here we go again you know mm. um and deeply impressive performances from all across the pitch um, I think it was. Uh, it, it's very hard to pick anybody out who was, you know, uh, in any way lacking or slacking. I've been a, a big critic of Kalu. I've been a big critic of several of the players this season, um, but they they seem to have. Uh, I think the phrase is they had their shit together, big time <laughs> uh, on on that night, and they really were, uh, you know, impressive right across the park. And, and when the goal came, even though I think we we had to weather about. You know, eight or nine minutes at the end of, of mm. Benfica, um, you know, coming at us when they when they managed to pick themselves up off the floor because they seem to be another group of serial diving offenders, as far as I could see. Um, it was a shame, really, because they had a player on their side called Guy Guytan, I think, Guytan, yeah. and he looked fabulous. And if he could stay on his feet, he'd be lethal. You know, he, I mean, he was he was cool. He was probably causing us more problems than, than any of the others that I could, you know, pick out easily. Mm. Uh, but you know, a, Ma- the, a Manchester United target by all accounts, if the, the press are to be believed, which obviously is open to question. But yeah, uh, I, I, well, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but he, you know, that you'll that have to learn in this country that uh, you know you, you have to do a bit better than that. I'm afraid because uh, they were, you know, it was it was annoying and it, and fair play. And I think it's something we 
like most football fans, we want to jump on. Um, within the first five minutes, I thought we're going to get this referee looks a bit picky, and he turned out to be quite the opposite. Uh, he seemed more than willing to let the game run. Uh, he seemed more than willing to ignore some of the more blatant, shall we say, swan dives, etc., that were going on. Mm. Uh, but I think overall, uh, a, a promising performance. Uh, star players for me: Louise, Mikel, um, and I thought Ramirez and Torres had uh, fabulous games as well. Uh, yeah. the, and, and this thing about Torres scoring, I know we're going to come on to the Villa game in a minute, but he is scaring defenders again. Um, yeah. And Benfica and Villa, and I think in the last few games that we've seen him, he has been scaring defenders. He had a good game against Manchester United. People seem to forget he, he caused... Is it Johnny Evans? Caused him no <coughs> end of aggro. Mm. Um, and, and I think he won just about everything between him and Evans. And I think we're seeing almost like that regeneration thing going on. Uh, very impressive. But uh, I... I pick out a, a man of the match it was very close but Mikel and, uh, and Louise just Mikel again another player surging with confidence so very very nice evening very happy uh, and it, 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 the only thing that could have made it better was if both the Manchester United fans that I worked with were in the office the next day and they were <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's um, it is so, I, mean, I thought Benfica were actually <clears throat> all I'd heard about I'd not seen a great deal of them this season um, but for all I'd heard about them they, they, they certainly didn't sound well they, they weren't anywhere near as impressive as I'd heard um, so it was maybe a disappointing night for them but I mean you know all credit to us I think it was the, the first time that they'd been stopped from scoring at home in I think 65 games yeah which is a big statistic yeah that's no mean feat you know it's there's not many teams that we can go away to, you know, we did it against Barcelona and stopped them scoring for the first time in Lord knows how long, a couple of seasons back. Um, again, notable for me is that Mikel is, is often present in games like that um, and, and seems fairly critical whilst he's not, you know, he gets criticism for not being the quickest, but he, he seems to set the tempo of the game and, and to, to dictate reasonably well for the middle of the park and, um, and did an excellent job. Um, Mark, what... Um, did, a, did you see the game, and B, what are your thoughts? Yeah, of course, I saw the game. Um, I was surprised when I first saw the team sheet. I had a momentary panic, but actually the team performed brilliantly, and Paolo Ferreira has never actually let the team down, mm. apart from maybe struggling once at centre-half in a cup semi-final against Liverpool. But he comes on, you know, he doesn't play much. Well, he can play, he can not play for months, and then he can be brought into the team, mm. and he is a reliable person, and apart from suffering a little bit of cramp at the end, he put in a sterling performance. And, um, I mean, overall, it was terrific to see us actually passing to each other, which we haven't been doing a lot of this season. <laughs> and yeah, when we got to the Aston Villa game, I think we did even more of it. Uh, so that's encouraging. But like Tony, I never felt that nervous that we were going to concede. Mm. And once we took the lead, I felt confident that we were going to see it through. Um, the ref had a good game, and um, I did pick up on the commentator who highlighted that he was a hairdresser. <laughs> Don't know if anybody else noticed that or heard that in the. I must admit, I didn't know. And and compared to Luigi, <coughs> who operates out of my local high street, I couldn't see him refereeing a top European game. So I was impressed with an Italian hairdresser being able to do that. And, and who <laughs> says men can't multitask? Eh? Is... Actually, I should have warned you just before we started, Jonathan. Sorry, I might have to dash out at very short notice. Go ahead. 
Um, well, I'm not saying that I will, but if my computer overheats, the 15 jerry cans of Super Unleaded I've got under <laughs> my desk <laughs> might, might go off, so I'm just a bit nervous about staying on the line too long. Uh, uh, so, obviously, there's the sparkling wit as well, which is, which is a danger to, you know, Liquids yeah. at all the time, <laughs> and it's not so, just ordinary. But I mean, it is super unleaded. I'll, I'll have you know, it's not just regular ninety-five. It's the ninety-seven. None of this cheap ninety-seven vintage. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, my nineteen seventy-four pre-lights that kind of film. <laughs> uh, um, thank you. And also, uh, just on the score forecast, I would like to point out that I think I was the only one who forecast yeah. an away win. Yeah, you did. And, and, and I would like to take Donald back to school and just question his algebra on the basis he forecast the score of being. X to Benfica and none to Chelsea. So on the basis of the final score, Donald, what yeah. is the value of X? Um, now there's a question. Yes. Well, hmm. um, I'll have to come back to you on that one. <laughs> OK. Well, I'll give you the answer. It's minus one. I'm just... I'm just oh, yes. I'm just, gonna get, <laughs> I, is, is I'm that, just trying to work not? out what the cosine of four was. No, um... Yes, that, I, I is have that the to. Asian handicap we're working on here? It was an unfair question because I know that you did spend most of the time in the music block at school. Ev- evidently, yes, evidently. <laughs> oh dear, uh, I was wrong. I have to, I have to hold. I don't know why people always have to hold their hands up uh, when they're wrong. I can't just admit it, but I will hold my hands up and say I was wrong. It's a, it's a very, it's a very overly pessimistic. It's a very football esque cliche, isn't it? I yes. Hold my hands up at the end of the day. Well, but you don't want to mention that in front of Michael Essien. Oh, well, no, ha- his habit of holding his hands up has cost us. Could be slightly dubious. Dubious. Indeed. Um, Donald, your, um, your thoughts on the game and um, bypassing any algebra on the way. Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this um, well out of the realms of mathematics as has uh, uh, been exposed as a complete... A fraud and a shot. Fraud and shot. <laughs> 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 such matters. Um, and it's funny how mathematics and music are connected, and uh, I've proved myself to be shocking at both. But anyway, um, I, I like like um, Tony and Mark. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good all-round performance. I, I think the only point of concern I would have is that my understanding was that Benfica play can play quite a fast sort of one-touch type of game, which they didn't, um, possibly because, uh, you know, Chelsea set set out to to, to break up those patterns and, and to, to defend in a way that, that countered that. But certainly that sort of last 10 minutes when, understandably, we were starting to fall back um, and perhaps spurred on by the fact that they, they could see defeat staring themselves in the face, they started to knock the ball around a lot quicker. They, they, you know, sort of one-touch stuff, and there are a few moments there towards the end which uh, were a bit sort of city-esque in the way they were able to sort of pass the ball between us, uh, not us, uh, our team, into the area. Um, and that would be my concern for Wednesday night: is if they, you know, buoyed up by the thought that they've got nothing to lose but have a go, they have to get an away goal. Um, if, if they start off at that sort of tempo and pass the ball that well, like they did in the last 10 minutes, and we are in some way not ready for it, then that could be a problem. But other than that, you know, I, I can't take uh, anything away from the, the team. I, I thought he picked the right team. Um, and it, it was a, a classic European away performance. Yeah. You know, there are... 
if you sort of looked at it minute by minute, of course there are things that were wrong and people made mistakes and so on and so forth. But um, it was a, a decent, solid away performance, particularly when we've struggled away from home for quite a few years now. We haven't had that many wins away from home in the Champions League. And yeah, <laughs> certainly since since we got to final, we haven't. In terms of the knockout stages, we've not. I, I don't think we've actually won in the knockout stages. Hmm. I should have checked this stat before we became on, but I know it, it, it's been a while, and I don't think we've won away this season, have we? Mm. From what I can recall, but no, because we we drew in uh, Belgium, didn't we? And we uh, yeah. lost in Germany. So, so it's um, yeah. I mean, I think it, in terms of any kind of away European performance at that level, you, there will always be periods of time where you are without the ball and you know, sort of slightly holding on to everything for 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 dear life for periods of the game that's always going to happen um, but it'll be interesting to see how we, we set up um, in, the, in the home leg this week um, I'd say you know for, for his performances over the last couple of games Torres has, has definitely earned his start because he's you know like has been pointed out he's worrying defenders again um, yeah, he seems to have gained a, a half a yard doesn't he or a, he a yard you know he's, he's got like that he's little bit yeah, yeah. Um, but I think um, I think we can, you know, we don't wish to be overconfident about these these things. Um, but I think we can be reasonably hopeful that if we don't make any disastrous errors, um, we we should find ourselves in the um, in the semi final against either Barcelona or AC Milan. Yeah. It will be um, be interesting to see what happens. But um, I mean, while my algebra may be poor, and I will abandon any more efforts at algebra, I, I won't abandon my pessimism. I, I, still, <laughs> I still go into Wednesday feeling that it could all go horribly wrong. Not because we're not good enough, but just because the because vicissitudes of, of European football are such that these things can happen. You know, uh, Napoli must have been relatively confident coming to us at 3-1. You know, I know they were coming to play away, but they had a two-goal lead, etc., etc. So I'm not not going around any of my poultry um, with a calculator at this point in time, has to be said. I think that's perfectly fair. it would just, I'm just trying to check up at the moment see what Benfica managed this weekend um, if they were indeed playing uh, da, 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 da. no, can't see a damn thing <laughs> will you carry oh no, so, no t- t- like they beat, so they beat Braga yesterday um, and I think Braga were top actually so that they will probably be reasonably confident you would have thought um, they, they, if you, according to uh, Dan Levine uh, the translations in the local press were well we're not really all that worried we'll, we'll win the next leg then um, mm. so you know fair play to them I think you know the, but I think with, with us even if we go a goal down you know we're at home we will have uh, you know I think we'll have enough behind us to to, to, to push on and, and, and take that game you know but I agree you can't take anything for granted where we're, where we're concerned but I'm probably more confident than I've been for a while I mean, they put in, you know, they they put in two reasonable performances against Man United, and I, I must say, I expected a, a bit more from them uh, last week. So I was quite surprised. They seemed subdued, perhaps nervous. Who knows? Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if if they came with a little bit more. But yeah, hopefully, you know, one nil isn't. You know, it's one nil with an away goal. It's not really enough to start getting the deck chairs out with so hopefully the team the team won't be going into the game 
caught in two minds. Mm. Oh, know, yeah, they no. must know. They must know that they've got to score again. We have to go and, and win it. Yeah. yeah. So on and so forth. Um, on the basis of um, our appalling effort last week, um, should we have another punt at um, predicting the lineup for um, for next week? Just to um, just to see where we get. Hell, why not? Why not? Can I do somebody other than the goalkeeper? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you were, I think you were the only one with a hundred percent record. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll start checking goal. Over to you for the defence, Tony. Oh, okay then. Um, I'm, well, I'll stick my neck out. I think Ashley Cole will be our left back. I think it will be JT and David. Uh, Louise, oh, he's injured, so I think Cahill gets the shot mm. there. Um, is, Louise, is Louise injured? Is that why he came off yesterday? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Doubtful. I think they. Um, did Tayo said in his in his post match some some sort of ligament thing. Yeah. They couldn't check it for forty eight hours, so we probably won't find out till tomorrow whether yeah. he's playing or not. But he sounded doubtful. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, is, that, is that why he's gone and had his hair cut then? Apparently he's tweeted today that he's had his hair cut. Oh, has he? Yeah. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. It's not an April Fool, is it? That, that, that rumour is it was an Possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, because, you know... That's you wouldn't want him cutting his hair until we're out of it. Yeah. I, didn't, I was yeah. going to say that the superstitious um, individual yeah. in me, which is fairly large and persuasive, says, don't do anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and also there's the Samson <laughs> thing as well, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for, for those of us who remember our Bible class, uh, yes. uh, and to Love Ivanovic, who I think has just been outstanding of late, will be our right back. There you go. Not really too hard to guess that, though. No, that's fair enough. Uh, Mark midfield. If we're playing four three three, we're working working um, on that basis. Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikel. Yep. I'm struggling to think now. Who who fits in the midfield and who's up front? Um, is Kalu in last week's formation? Was he a midfielder or up front? He was, I, th- I thought he, he was sort of more up front. Yeah. But yeah. But on the basis, I'm struggling. I'll, I, I think I'd play him just slightly deeper, just so he can fit into my midfield. Um, <laughs> it's almost like we're, we're playing a four-two-four in some ways, aren't we? Jump. We're playing four with like two, two holding midfielders, midfielders. Yeah. and then you've got. Matter, I suppose, is is playing in behind Torres and two flanking him, sort of thing. Mm. It's a. Well, I thought he played very well last week, Kalu, and um, yeah. I was pleased to see him in place of Sturridge because mm. he did actually chase back the whole time, and, yeah. and Sturridge just would be unwilling to do that. So I felt a lot more secure with him in the team. Although, yeah, was Kalu, Kalu was playing left last week, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. And yeah. Ramirez played right. Ramirez was further up on the right, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he sort of uses Ramirez almost as a, it's you know, a sort of, because yesterday was easier because it was sort of Torres, Sturridge, and Kalu as almost a front three with Matter in behind, mm. and then you know Lampard and Mikel holding, but or as a double pivot or whatever the technical the, term is. The technical phrases. It sounds a bit Andre Villas Boas, that doesn't it? <laughs> Lurching into um, technical descriptions, but um, um, well, I think that's sort of, that's a team of. Some variety. Um, I mean, do, do we, if, if Ramirez plays, does that mean Sturridge doesn't? Um, um, does Lampard play? Because you have Mikel and you have one other player. It was Morelish out in Portugal, wasn't it? Mm. You had, was, yeah. You had Mikel and Morelish, and then you had um, Mata, say, behind Torres, and you had Star- uh, Kalu one side and Ramirez the other. The other. Yeah. Whereas yesterday, Sturridge replaced Ramirez effectively, and. Lampard replaced Morelish and that was about it really that was it yeah 
Yeah, Morelli's looked like a one-man killing machine, though, didn't he? He, he looked like he was... There were, there he, were he was heading one was, way, wasn't uh, he? Was, that red card was inevitable with him, I think, if he hadn't have been pulled, I think, because uh, he looked yeah. very... Whatever they were saying to him, or whatever history he has in Portugal... Well, he used to play for... Um, well, he's ex, um, was it... Sporting or Porto? Sporting, so it? It was like, no, it's Porto. Yeah. I think, Porto, yeah. Um, and consequently, isn't terribly popular in those parts. But right. uh, did you read? Did it occurred to me? Uh, I may even have Twitterized this at some point during the week. That um, he, he basically, apart from Basingua, he played practically every Iberian that we had available. You know that that team was like all the Spanish and Portuguese and the Brazilians uh, because they speak. Portuguese, mm. with a with a few of the others thrown in. Oh, um, okay, I don't. I'm not saying he planned it that way. I don't think he does it by geog. He doesn't choose the team by geography. But it was interesting that uh, he pretty much had every uh, everyone yeah. available to him out there. No, who's the? Um, is it, it's Dominic, the um, the mad Frenchman who who sort of looks at star signs and things like that before he picks the team. I, I sort of hope we're not heading down that route, which I, I doubt we are. But uh, but yeah, I, I think reasonably hopeful. Um, we will see how we um, how we do when we uh, when we reconvene next Sunday, and, um, and hopefully we'll be breaking out the musical interlude again, and um, we'll see what we get. Um, we'll move on to the um, to the Villa game. Um, we'll start uh, with a quick best wishes to um, Cillian Petrov, who um, appalling news for a 32-year-old man to be <clears throat> struck down with something like leukemia is is terrible. And you know he seemed genuinely moved by the um, sort of the show of goodwill towards him from both both sides and both sets of fans yesterday. So um, best wishes to him. Um, it didn't uh, Villa didn't get the um, the victory they wanted, albeit they pushed us fairly hard. Um, <coughs> A game that you'd probably say four to six weeks ago, if we had gone 2-0 up and then um, conceded two goals in the space of a couple of minutes, we would have done well to hang on for the um, for the draw or probably even lost. But there was a sort of a, a slight sneaking feeling, even when I heard the equaliser had gone in, was that just given the sort of the resilience around us on... Um, Tuesday, Wednesday night, whenever it was against Benfica, that we might actually a hold out reasonably well, or b get something, and lo and behold, up popped Ivanovic and then Torres, and um, and made the game safe. So, um, uh, Donald, if you want to kick us off with your thoughts about uh, yesterday's events at Villa Park, um, yes, although I'm probably one of the few that actually didn't see it. Um, I, I was had other things I, I had to do. Um, I was just following it. You know, basically by sort of BBC and Guardian updates and so on and so forth. So um, I, I, it's difficult for me to say, other than that I got the distinct impression, and having watched you know the highlights on Match of the Day, that we were well in control for most of the game. Uh, we had you know had to make a few substitutions, and I'm not saying that the substitutions led to the goals, but. Had it all gone wrong, I'm sure that might have been something that uh, been would have been would have been picked on. Um, and yes, I, I, I was uh, I wasn't aware that I knew they'd come back to two one, um, but I wasn't aware that they'd actually got back to two all because I was in the basement of a a shop. And, and perhaps <clears throat> the most significant um, incident of the day took place because. 
you're probably unaware, but earlier in the week, uh, Peter Watts, uh, spinster of this parish, uh, yeah. put it about that he'd taken all his Samuel Beckett back uh, to Oxfam because he'd given up <laughs> trying to read it. <clears throat> now, that, that may be meaningless in, in, in the scheme of things, but yesterday I found myself up in London at the London Review Bookshop and I, I've set out in my latter years to try and read Samuel Beckett in translation in English, obviously. And I believe at quarter to five... Um, it was. It had just turned to all when I handed over eight English pounds in return for a copy of Samuel Beckett's Malloy. And shortly after that financial transaction took place, and I still have the receipt in my wallet, uh, we went on to um, score two goals. So I believe that in some way I reasserted the balance. We didn't have enough. We didn't have. <laughs> basically, we didn't have enough Beckett. And, you know, I sorted that somehow instinctively knew that that needed to be sorted out. So I, you know, and the only other thing I can say is that there are a couple of uh, friends of ours, uh, the children, friends of their children, they actually work at the Royal Ballet and um, in the costume department. And yet their daughter's birthday was yesterday and they took her and some other children to a special family day at the Royal Ballet. And last time they did this, we beat Aston Villa 7 nil. Right. And yesterday, I, I was confident we were going to win because they were at Royal Ballet. So you can imagine my discomfiture when it went to 2-1. So a combination of ballet and Beckett appears to have seen the day through, along with, obviously, some sundry efforts from people like Ivanovic and so on. Mm. So well, yes, it's now transformed into just a minute, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect I don't listen to many other podcasts, but you don't get this level of, of culture and debate on. Well, I'm just basically elsewhere. You know, it's. Um, I'm it's, just flanneling because I didn't see the game. But, um, <laughs> no, you've done an extraordinarily good job. I mean, know, it was very good to see Torres score. Mikel looks, you know, impressive again. Mm. Ivanovic certainly a, a candidate for Player of the Year. And as I say, this new shape, this this sort of two holding player. Uh, with a bit more attacking potential from the f sort of front four appears to be, you know, there's, there's a subtle change to the way we're playing and it'll be interesting to see how long that goes on. Mm. I mean, it's, the other point about Philip Hark is uh, in in recent years, I mean, we I Definitely. think we won up there about... Once in 12 years. It is 12 years, oh. yeah, I remember it was... Um, the, the game that, that took place on a, on a Sunday morning and a, and a local reverend got slightly uptight about the fact that everyone should have been in church rather than, um, rather than at a football ground. And I think Torre Andre Flo got one or two and we won three nil. And I think that and maybe one other time is the last time we won in, at Villa Park in the last sort of decade or so. So it, it's a fairly dismal hunting ground for us in, in that sense. So we, we did extraordinary. So we were, we were regressing to the mean. Well, quite, quite. <laughs> My favourite phrase of the moment. I think, I think when we get our, our keep calm and download the Podding Shed t-shirts done, we can have regressing to the mean on the back. I think that would, um, that speaking, speaking of which, just quickly before I finish, is that um, on the regressing to the mean note, Arsenal went to QPR yesterday. Okay, <laughs> Arsenal went to QPR having won seven games. Mm. So you say, oh, they must lose one to regress to the mean. But also... They, their worst premiership record is against QPR, apparently. Oh, really? QPR. I read that somewhere yesterday. So, 
if they were going to regress to the mean, they should have won, really, shouldn't they? Or at some point they've got to start winning games at QPR. <clears> so <throat> this regressing to it's a difficult difficult concept. It's a know, tricky, so tricky science, tricky. isn't it? And obviously Arsenal haven't got a grip on it, whereas we obviously very firmly uh, have. Yes, we've, um, yeah, Roberto Di Matteo has obviously been reading his, um, his regression to the mean theory. And, um, <laughs> has it all sussed out, without question. Um, yeah, I, I think overall um, it was a terrific performance. Um, Torres... It was it was very interesting to say, and I'll, I'll sort of draw the comparison with with a, a very brief clip of Liverpool New, Newcastle Liverpool that I saw today. Um, Torres, a number of games ago, would probably have tried to have squared that ball, or you know, do I you know do I don't know what the last thing he would have done six weeks ago would be shoot, but first touch I don't even think was that terrific. He did took it away from him slightly, but a little bit more pace than we've seen than of, um, of late from him um, and hit it first time no fannying about goal and you know it was a fantastic thing to see you know I think we've all been critical of him to a um, to a degree but you know a, a brilliant striker's performance you know ran his socks off etc etc did very well out in um, out of Benfica and obviously put the cross in for Kalu's goal and um, just very encouraging to see him um, looking a little bit more like um, the man we paid £50 million for I think overall and he had two very good chances that were blocked that was better it was yeah, actually good defending by through bodies in front of him mm. so he's getting into the right place a lot more now and, and you know hitting the ball a lot surer so yeah, you can only hope. No, indeed. Indeed. Um, right, Mark, have I asked you what you thought of the game? Sorry, I've lost the plot this evening. I'm just no, second you haven't yet, no. down. Go ahead, please. Thanks very much. Well, I was fortunate enough to see the game live in my local pub who were broadcasting it on Greek TV. So I'm very grateful to that lady, landlady in Portsmouth for winning her court case. Yeah, oh, yes. absolutely. Um, absolutely. Because to be honest, I wasn't looking forward to flying weekly by um, EasyJet to Athens. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot easier to watch Greek TV down at my local. Quite, yeah. Um, but it was a terrific performance, and it was a sort of throwback to a couple of seasons ago where we passed to Chaps in Blue, mm. which we haven't done a lot of this season, and there was a lot of movement, and we played at a high tempo. Which makes me wonder what was going on under AVB, <coughs> in that they're the same players, and they must have been under instruction to run slowly and pass slowly, like not to have too much backswing on your leg, because <laughs> it'll make the ball go too quickly. I don't understand how they were playing so slowly when it's clearly obvious that they can play okay. at a normal mm. Premier League pace. Yeah. Um, but, you know, apart from five minutes aberration when we sort of gave away a two-goal lead... We never looked like losing. I mean, we were saying to each other in the pub that we were all over them. 2-0 up, we're guaranteed to win this. We were completely shocked when they came back to 2-2. Two -two. Mm. Fortunately for us, you know, we took the lead again reasonably quickly. And then the icing on the cake, the, the, the cherry on the bakewell, was a great run by Sturridge, an actual pass by Sturridge, mm. and a first-time strike by Torres, which, you know, were two events I never really thought I'd see again in my lifetime. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's sort of encapsulated everything that had been wrong with us. I mean, it's, I, it's a fantastically good point, you know, the difference. And we're only talking about, you know, a month or so at a few games. The difference is, is so 
marked. It's, um, I mean, it, it's embarrassing for for VS Boas more than anything else. I mean, you know, we've... it's embarrassing for me because I was one of the people who said he should stay. <laughs> I think. Well, I think we were all, you know, in general agreement that yeah, he should stay for you know, for whatever reason it was. And I don't think we I think we agreed at the time. It was probably not exactly the right reasons, but um, but the difference. I mean, it was you know clearly a, a, a big problem there. Um, and yeah, you know. Dibateo, I mean, his his only loss is, is up at Man City, and that was, you know, probably classed more as unfortunate than, you know, bad tactical decisions or whatever. Um, is is doing a fine job, and um, and the longer he carries on, um, you know, we're reaching the point now where I think, in terms of expectation, we're probably, you know, the, the stage we're at in the cups and so forth probably exceeding the expectations that we had a few months ago and the, and the longer he carries on the more clamour there is likely to be for him to um, to at least be given you know a, a crack at a full season next um, next time round and you know a bit of money spent on him and uh, to be perfectly fair why shouldn't he have it's probably for another day uh, John but I I, mm. I I still think that as a club and, and I think there's also be maybe a fairly significant part of the fan base it's almost like they feel they have to have a name you know that sort of yeah. we've gone with the young untested and it all went badly wrong we, we've got to get someone who's who's a big name who who the fans will be confident you know when they when they're thinking about spending any money and all that sort of stuff and it's just I, I'm, not, I'm not against him having his having the chance I just feel that, that yeah. there's a lot of people would see that as, as too much of a risk. Well, it's got nothing to do with Robbie. Yeah. The, the, the turnaround has nothing to do with um, Robbie, though, because he was here for the full time that AVB was here. Mm. So the difference, the only difference, is Eddie Newton. Steady Eddie. It's got to be down to him. It's down to Eddie. him, isn't it? Steady Ed. Eddie, you know, we've we spent millions and millions and millions of pounds sacking manager after manager and you know with the odd the odd trophy or two along the way and you know look where the answer is can i can i further extend my reputation for knowing knowing absolutely nothing about the game of football <laughs> by perhaps positing positing the theory that um Mikel's, uh, perhaps turn up in form that we've seen in the last few weeks mm. um could be influenced by, you know, one of Chelsea's finer central midfield performers coming onto the coaching staff and perhaps encouraging him just a little bit. That's my, could that's well my be. theory. Could well be. Um, Tony, John Obi owes it to to Steady Eddie. Could well be. You heard it here first. <laughs> if, if that appears in a broadsheet tomorrow, then I think we should we should engage lawyers immediately. Um, Tony. We, we we need your thoughts on the game. Are oh, you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm listening intently. Um, I, I I agree with with Mark. I think there was a a, a marked difference yesterday, and it's this confidence thing. There's no doubt that the the result in midweek um, has, has played a, a good part in in the performance yesterday I think that the team went out there thinking well oh if we can do that to Benfica and um, you know and, and you know not particularly struggle against them then we should be able to do Villa I, I think we need to bear in mind Villa did have about five or six debutantes out on the pitch I believe yesterday mm. um, 
So are you matched up? I think it was quite a brave move by Alex McLeish. He's under some stick there, but I think he knows that the season's pretty much gone and mid-table obscurity is a worthy uh, finish if you're if you're able to bring through some young players. I, I was marked by the fact that their two goals came within a very short period of a player that I think is would be perfect in our side um, Mark Albright and I, th- I often wonder why we've never put, you know sort of gone after him and given him the chance to develop because he caused all sorts of problems he <clears> certainly uh, was the, yeah, the, good the, player. The, the chief culprit for their second goal um, outside of Ashley Cole um, uh, failing to pull himself out from underneath the duvet properly at the back post <laughs> uh, in time to prevent uh, Lee Hire, whatever his name was uh, scoring their equaliser um, but it, you know, it, it was good, and, and again, you know, uh, you know, Mikel, absolutely stonking performance, mm. uh, and you know, it's just it was good to see. Uh, I think Sturridge is a great. I've said it before. He is a greedy, arrogant so and so, but he will mellow, and I, I would rather that. I'd rather have somebody who, who who's up, you know, who's who's, who's got bigger ideas than that they can probably carry out at the moment because there's ambition there. Um, he needed a goal, didn't he? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. But you know the way he, you know, he he was the architect of the last goal. Uh, you know, very powerful run, uh, and you know, laid in a, a lovely pass for Torres. And, and and most encouraging was to see Torres hit that. You know, second on the, you know, you know the one touch, then the then the rifled shot that would have done his confidence the world a good. And I think, you know, it goes back to what Mark was saying. AVB, what was he telling them? You know, thirteen million pound richer, probably on a beach in Barbados or somewhere like that. Uh, I don't think he's embarrassed. I don't think he's particularly bothered. But there does seem to be that kind of thing. And I've said it before: you have a professional job to do, even if you don't like the manager. Um, but you know, it is a difficult thing to do if you don't respect that person. Uh, mm. You start putting in perfunctory performances, and I think that's probably where we've suffered. Because if you want to do well in the Premiership. At any of these competitions, perfunctory is not good enough. It, you know, we go to that. We've joked about the regression to the mean, but you need to be above that more often than not for the best part of the season, and that's where we've not been. What we've seen over the last, you know, let's face it. If you looked at, they, I think they showed it on um, uh, goals on Sunday this morning. Chelsea's recent record under Di Matteo, about a month or six weeks or whatever he's been in charge, and we've lost one game. Mm. You know, against Manchester City, a, a game that most people would argue we probably could have got away with a draw there. And, you know, the last week was a bit stale against Tottenham. Uh, I still think that has more to do with the kickoff time than anything else. But yesterday was, it was good to watch. When that second goal went in, and I was watching it on an internet feed, which was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bit like those old pictures they used to relay from the other side of the world back in the early 1970s. It was. <laughs> You know, um, if, it had, if it had a sepia tint to it, it would have been perfect. Um, uh, so all I could see was some blue blurs playing some claret blurs. Uh, but you, you just, at that point, that second goal went in. I, I wasn't thinking, oh my God, disaster. I was thinking, well, that serves us right for going from the cruise control element into complacency. But then they picked yeah. themselves up straight afterwards, and and again, not much in the way of poor performances out there either. You know, they, they were all pretty good. I think there, there is a an, an inherent criticism Ashley Cole for switching off. I think for that 
equaliser. Um, you can mm. argue, Pet- but Petr Cech called or, uh, made a save <coughs> in the first half. It's terrific. Agbon Lahore, which was you know had goal. I think they may well have made it a different game at that point. But yeah, very pleasing, and I'm, I'm you know uh, I'm going into work tomorrow morning a happy person with the way things are going. Marvellous. Um, I think that probably rounds us off for um, for Benfica and Villa. Um, just a, a quick look ahead at, um, at what's coming up this week. I mean, it, you know, the games obviously come thick and fast at um, this time of year, and they're all fairly critical. Um, Man United, do they go to Blackburn or do they host Blackburn tomorrow night? I've not. They're at Blackburn, shabby. I believe. They're at Blackburn. Um, which could potentially put them five points clear of City, who play Arsenal next weekend. Um, Spurs are going up to Sunderland, which is no easy trip for them. Um, and we play Wigan, and you would kind of hope that whilst Spurs are five points clear at the moment, or Spurs and Arsenal are five points clear at the moment, that there might be a possibility of um, of clawing a little bit back from there and um, fulfilling Mark's um, crystal ball prophecy that we're going to finish third. But um, should be should be an interesting weekend. Um, we will move on to. Just before you, you no, go, on, you, go ahead. You look at it. You've got Wigan, Wigan at home, who have had a couple of decent results now. Mm. We've then got Fulham away, and that's always a awkward. Then we've um, then we've got Arsenal away, QPR at home. So it's not, um, you know, it's, it's we're, we're going to have to do well, I think, to to, to stay yeah. in this hunt. You know, it's it's. Oh, it's, I, mean, I know people have been saying it for weeks, but. It's certainly not an easy... I mean, Spurs running, arguably, if you look at it, is easier than ours. Um, but yeah, I, I think the moment you see, obviously, you know, we've got to go to Liverpool, which at the moment actually doesn't look terribly daunting in the grand scheme. We have Newcastle before that. Yeah. Before, and that could be sort of a, a, ba- a battle for fifth or sixth or whatever that is. Yeah. I mean, I think my, third, my, my forecast of third mm. is now looking a bit ridiculous. And I've re- I'm going to revise it to second, <laughs> on the basis of City thumping each other to death. Mm. They, they probably won't have enough players left to last the rest of the season, so we should overtake them <laughs> as well now. Be a five five aside game, would it? Uh, excellent. Um, You've been using my algorithms, by the way. We will um, we will move on. Um, a subject that is, has caused much debate on. Twitter, social networks, websites, blogs, etc., etc., etc. This week, um, the FA Cup semi-final against Spurs. Um, the FA obviously have, um, in their infinite wisdom, decreed that all semi-finals, or both semi-finals rather, or both, um, should take place at Wembley. Um, Liverpool said immediately, "Well, we're not playing on the anniversary of Hillsborough. We can talk about that in a, in a little while," um, which basically left us with. Um, Playing, again, playing our semi against Spurs on Sunday which leaves us with 72 hours until a possible we, we again hasten to add a possible semi-final against Barcelona or AC Milan um, which is not ideal I personally don't think it's a huge issue three days is fair enough I think if it was two it would be a, more of a problem um, I do, who's to blame here? I, I think, you know, it's upset an awful lot of Chelsea fans in the sense that the, the accusation is, you know, who are the FA supporting here? Do you want English teams to do well in Europe? Or do you want to hamstring them? Um, I could have, well, I, you know, I, I very clearly think the FA, have, why couldn't it have been done on a Friday? 
Now, the, 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 the rubbish just... quote that's been given back to me is the FA and the Met Police were too worried about the fact that people, you know, might be drinking or whatever on a Friday. Well, they've just got the seven hours to do it on the Sunday. Yeah, so. exactly. So, yeah, absolutely Presumably, will be in church for some of that anyway, yeah. so it won't be an issue. But Exactly. Uh, and yeah. So, it's, you know, I... I I, I I do appreciate the fact that uh, um, that, that, that I that we've got the raw end of the deal. I think although there are three days to recover, mm. I don't think any. I mean, isn't it right that Benfica and Napoli both got extra time? They got their games in before they needed to play us. They they were given an extra day to play on the Friday, I think. And yeah, that's, yeah, and that's that. true. Now you know that that's just a, a good example of common sense prevailing. In a and, and we're a country that's supposed to be built on common sense, or maybe once we were, but we seem to have just lobbed that out of the window in favour of uh, <coughs> key performance indicators and statistics and bollocks like that all the time. Okay, rather than what is actually the you know the, the for the greater utility. Now, if we're representing the UK. As as we are in the Champions League, you'd think, and I, I understand taking all the tribalism apart and all you know uh, that you get from football, that actually the FA would have stood in and said, "Why don't you play on the Friday?" Liverpool can play at six o'clock on the Saturday. We can have twenty-four hours between those games, more than enough time for that pitch to recover at Wembley, because it's, that's roughly what it's going to get anyway. Maybe a little longer, okay? Um, and it just strikes me as being. Uh, a rather mealy-mouthed and, and, you know, vindictive thing that they've done. And, and, and I, you know, I think there'll be more trouble with this game. I think there'll be more of it because it's six o'clock on a Sunday. I think you're, you're yeah. asking for those fans after that game and before it to, there'll be, there'll be stuff kicking off. And I think they've, they've completely, utterly got it wrong. And one more thing, Liverpool, whilst I absolutely understand the pain of Hillsborough, uh, uh, and everything that went with it, I, I do think that this thing where they won't play on the anniversary of it and all this, you know, uh, two things. I know these are controversial things, okay, but the first one is do they do the same thing on the anniversary of the High School tragedy? Do they refuse to play on that day? And secondly, Manchester United, I believe, have played games on the anniversary of their Munich disaster, where, you know, that. that that team have killed a very emotive subject. I'm not quite sure why why this special dispensation is given to Liverpool over this. Uh, 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 okay, you know, taking all of the serious stuff, the the sort of sympathy aside from that, it's for me the logic doesn't work there. Mm. Um, Mark, it, it, it seems it seems to me that because of this this reasoning that we, you know the both semis have to be played at Wembley that, that both sides have got a fairly or both semi both teams in both semi-finals have got a fairly run deal in the sense that taking aside the, the fact that Liverpool won't play on the, the anniversary of Hillsborough and I, which I personally think is fair enough I, I don't have an issue with that at all um, 80,000 scouts have got to get from, from Liverpool down to Wembley for half 12 for a half 12 kickoff on Saturday then our game takes place at six o'clock in the evening with all the attendant issues that might um, might arise from that it, it, it seems to me that that Wem- Wembley here is is sort of part of the problem what, what would you agree with that do you think there's other ways around it or well I, I personally am not in favor of semi-finals being played at Wembley because it does mm. detract from the final but I think even if games were played in the old style on neutral grounds 
it wouldn't have affected it because they would still have been played on separate days because they yeah. want to broadcast them on separate days uh, and get maximum revenue. So it's not like the old days when they both have been kicked off at 3 p.m. on a Saturday. They would yeah. have been scheduled over the weekend. Now, had the game been scheduled for 3 o'clock Sunday, for example, would we all be moaning? Probably not. Mm. And so does three hours really make that much difference to these highly tuned athletes? I'd suspect probably not. Yeah, I agree. And um, you can't have it every which way. Um, I mean, you know, we're being stretched as a blog team, having to cover all these games that are coming thick and fast. And we're not complaining. And we're able to recover from one session to the next. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't wish to make personal comments about anyone here, but I would suspect that we are, having met you all, we are maybe not in our prime anymore. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's all I say. Um, so, um, you know, Chelsea are in three competitions, and we're the only ones remaining in that. Mm. But when you're in all these competition, competitions, you get all the revenue. And I, I was listening to the TV earlier on today, and that they were saying that ITV thought that if they played the game at lunchtime, they would only get 50% of the audience they could get if they played at 6 o'clock. Right. And their commercial, they want to maximise their advertising revenue. By maximising their advertising revenue, they can afford to pay the clubs, and the clubs can afford to pay Drogba, 6 million quid a year. And that is the vicious cycle. So... Mm. You know, we all want it to be big and spectacular and well-funded. And to do that, you have to get the commercial revenue and you have to play at the times people want. So it's the rough and the smooth. We've just got to get on with it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll cope with two games in three days. Yeah, no, I, I agree, actually. I, I think that aspect of it, there's been probably a little bit too much fuss in that sense. Um, I think... I, one of the things that sort of struck me about this, the, the whole sort of Friday night issue, it, I don't understand why football on a Friday night is not more popular with the TV companies. Well, I can understand why it wouldn't be more popular with Tottenham. Mm. I, I probably shouldn't make that remark, but I can because I'm Jewish, so it's quite... It's quite um, <laughs> fair, <laughs> enough, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, I do, I've always... Because we played... Um, I think it was Mourinho's first game in charge. We played United on... Um, on a Friday night I can't remember the reasoning around it um, but it was great I mean the atmosphere was fantastic because you know everyone out of work a few pints excellent the weekend's ahead of us football wonderful stuff um, I, I genuinely can't understand firstly why you know the Wembley issue aside they didn't say to 80,000 scousers well how about you go 40 miles across from Liverpool to Old Trafford on Friday night you can play your game then surely that's that's a fantastic TV slot for for a game like that we play on the Saturday at Wembley or you know or wherever um, it just seems the most the most logical thing for, for us to do for that Don't yeah, but it doesn't take into account the fact that Wembley has a massive debt yes yeah, exactly. and they have to play as many games as possible yeah. to have any chance of paying it off yeah no it's, it's very true and that's ultimately you know when we're actually sitting talking about this you know the driving factors about this are quite uh, become clear you know it's 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 ITV wanting to maximise revenue or the, the TV company in question wanting to maximise revenue and Wembley needing Wembley needing the cash to um, to pay off the debt and you know that's it's fairly tragic because obviously as we've known for an awful long time that you know the fans in football don't 
generally tend to come to the um, the top of the list in terms of considerations over travel and time off work for fans to be able to get to far-flung places at silly times. I mean, I suppose six o'clock in, a, in London on a, on a Sunday isn't exactly disastrous for either us or Spurs. Um, Donal, your, your thoughts on um, the whole issue? Um, <clears throat> well, with, with a strange symmetry, I, I spent last Sunday ranting about um, Real Madrid's uh, I, I, plans for the uh, UAE and so on and I, I could probably spend the next three hours ranting like an old git about this I mean there's just so much about this whole fiasco and set aside the, the, the time that Chelsea have between that game and a possible uh, semi-final I'm with others in accepting that the FA could reasonably argue that they're dealing with a possibility, not a probability. They have to get the tickets out. They have to set the times. Mm-hmm. So, but there is, there is plenty, plenty of other food for thought in all this. You've, you've touched on the Wembley thing. They, we are now locked into this madness whereby it doesn't matter what is going on. It has to happen at Wembley. So, as you've said previously, you could have had a game between Spurs and Chelsea played at the Emirates, a game between Liverpool and Everton played up at uh, at Old Trafford. Everyone would have been happy. Then the winners get to Wembley. So here we are. We're considering the FA Cup with Budweiser. Okay. The <laughs> FA Cup with Budweiser. Same as when you go into the kebab shop on a Friday night, you have your kebab with curry sauce, a chilli sauce, your chips you have with curry sauce. You have your FA Cup with Budweiser. With Budweiser. Because the FA Cup, the FA Cup stands alone like this holy grail that cannot be besmirched by calling it the Budweiser FA Cup because it is so precious to us as a nation. And so precious <laughs> is it to us as a nation that it's the FA Cup with Budweiser that we end up playing two games at 12.30 on a Saturday and 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening. I mean, it's just insane. And we're lectured, year in, year out, we're lectured about, you know, the fans, you know, empty seats in these stadiums, the magic of the cup has gone. This magical cup that we can't call, as in the Barclays Premier League, we can't beat the Barclays FA, FA Cup with Budweiser. Which is so magical. And yet, they will piss about whichever way they can to, to undermine the whole thing. So you've got, you've got two big derby games. Okay, we haven't got the magic of the small team that's fought all, all the way to the semi final. Well, if you haven't got that, then you've got four big teams playing two big derby games. What up more do they want for this competition? And what do they do? They play one at 12.30 on a Saturday. They play one at 6 o'clock on a Sunday. They're playing one at 12.30 on the Saturday because apparently there are rail works going on on Saturday evening which would prevent all these people getting back. This is a country, of course, where we don't use the roads at all. We've invested so heavily since the war in the railways that we've got the most premier network rail network in Europe. We all go by rail everywhere, apparently. <laughs> now I remember I remember that they, they care so much about these people getting back up north that 
they're, they're moving the game to 12.30. I remember, in the days of Claudio Ranieri, sitting on the M6 the night they moved a bridge on the M6. Why were we on the M6? Because they'd made us go all that effing way up to Villa Park yeah. to sit opposite 15 Fulham fans because... <laughs> Well, it was a big game. They yeah. didn't play it uh, at Arsenal. It was too big a game. Too many Fulham fans. All twenty-seven of them that turned up. So you know, these people just—they can't decide what they want. They want the FA Cup. It's—it's it's the chalice. It's with Budweiser. It's, yeah. it's this thing, and then at the same time, I will put that on a twelfth there. So ESPN, who spent money on on buying Premier League games now find their game up against Liverpool-Everton in the Cup. Mm. Yeah? And I, I, would, I would lay money, although I haven't looked this up, because obviously you don't interrupt a really good rant by having any facts to hand. <laughs> the fact that that's the Sky game that's on at 12.30. Yeah, there's... Um, I, I there's Sky going up against ESPN, who outbid them for a certain package of games. On Sunday night, we, according to Mark, are being used as a tool to see off the BBC's efforts to claim a large audience with songs of praise in the Antiques Roadshow. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> that, that is what the FA Cup with Budweiser it's has become. I thought our team was the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was well lined up there. Yeah, um, this, this is what's going on, and this is what amazes me, is, is, is the, the sort of, all this thinking, you know, that they'll throw out any excuse, any reason, you know, yes, they're concerned about all these people travelling on a Saturday night. Oh, well, it's, it's Tottenham-Chelsea, it's a London game. Yeah, but there'll be plenty of people coming from around the country to that game who've still got to get home. If they want to have a proper night game, play at 7, 8 o'clock. 6 o'clock is a weird time to have a football game. Yeah. There are times when football feels right. It's 3 o'clock or it's an evening game. The rest of this is all nonsense. And, and I, I just think, you know, irrespective of whether we're in Europe or not, this just shows what an absolute shambles. Why aren't we playing at three o'clock? Is it p perhaps because it, we will overrun and clash with Man United versus... Is it no, that, is, that is the reasoning. We'll Man, it's Man United-Villa, isn't it? Yeah. How, how come our clashing with that doesn't sit with the Liverpool-Everton clashing with the ESPN game? How does that work? No, you're, you're absolutely right, Donal, and it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I think that whole thing that that, that you know the, the, the two competitions are different. Bearing in mind the comparatively limited number of people that will be watching and have access to Sky Sports to watch Manchester United versus Villa anyway, you know, a good proportion of the people will probably prefer to watch a one-off knockout game at Wembley between Chelsea and Tottenham. So it's a ludicrous argument that they that they've put forward there, uh, and it goes back to, to because to, they're to, protecting to, yeah. that game. They're not protecting ESPN. If I was ESPN, I'd be up in arms. Why aren't they protecting the ESPN game? Yeah, yeah. It, is, it does not make any logical sense. And, and I'm with the, also the idea that, you know, you know, 80,000 uh, scousers have got to travel down on, the, on a Saturday morning on the, on the feeble pretext of uh, alleged rail works. I mean, there, there are rail works It's going to look like one of those trains out of Bombay. It's going to be crazy, isn't it? Hanging off the carriage. through the English countryside. It's not had a huge amount of publicity but the um, the managing director of Aintree Racecourse has said 
I'll be interested to see what happens to our takings because it's Grand National Day as well. And it's not, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah seriously. Oh, dear Lord. Fifty <laughs> around about fifty percent of of the crowd at the, at the Grand National meet is local. That's and I would I would suspect that that may well take a fairly large hit if there's eighty thousand scousers heading down the M6 stroke M1 stroke rail network to to get to Wembley for half twelve. You know they're not going to be back in um, yeah. in Merseyside for for course to fall with the I, I understand the sensibilities. Sorry, I was going to say it's so good of the FA to build bridges with UEFA and FIFA while shitting all over the English football fans from a great height. That's you know that that, that I think, but I can't believe I'm hearing what you just said about the Grand National. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. It's not the Diamond Jubilee that day, as well, is it? <laughs> I just want to make. I can't so believe so. what I'm hearing either. That you said the FA are building bridges with UEFA. <laughs> no, no wonder National Rail is screwed up. <laughs> But the other thing is, I, I understand the sensibilities, you know, that, that, to do with Hillsborough. And, and, you know, I accept that there, there is an argument that, you know, some people may feel that it's not appropriate to play the game on that day. But why didn't the FA, someone in the FA, have the cojones to stand up and at least have a public discussion about this? This country, the attitude in this country towards death uh, and this sort of, we're either massively going one way in memorialising things or, on another level, trying to forget things. There's no middle way. There's no convention. There's no um, national way of recognising these things. So when some public sort of groundswell starts, no matter whether it's appropriate or inappropriate, no one in an authority seems to have the balls anymore to stand up and say the opposite thing. Now, it would not be an insult to the people of Liverpool or people whose families died at Hillsborough to perhaps suggest what better way to 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 memorialise that loss was to have that game at a brand or almost brand spanking new all-seater stadium, which yes. basically in many ways is, you know, is the future of football. Yeah. Con- con- contrast that with what happened and where they were at Hillsborough. I'm not saying that that's the correct argument, but it's certainly an argument that has some legs and could have been put forward. In my own clumsy way, what I was trying to say earlier was actually, you know, when Manchester United have played their games on, uh, you know, that that have uh, coincided with the Munich disaster or whatever, that's exactly what they've done. They've used that as an opportunity to properly remember and they get the buy-in of opposition fans um, and everybody to, you know, it's just a, a moment of respect or whatever. And it is a, a kind of fitting memorial to that. But in, in this particular case, I, I yeah, don't, I don't, I, I'm not pointing at Liverpool fans or, or Liverpool as a city. I'm just saying, actually, do you know what? If you come out, already I sense that if you say that sort of thing, you're a heretic of some form or another. No, I, I mean, I appreciate I, I think you're right in the sense that the, the, there is the, there's sometimes an overreaction. I, personally, I, and I had an argument with a number of people. I was rather outnumbered. Um, so it's certainly not the case on here because we're far more rational than that. But I had a, a debate elsewhere where numerous people just immediately said, "Oh, it's fucking Liverpool again!" And you yeah. know they run the FA. And I said, "Look, you know, surely whatever we think about it, if they have said we don't want to play on the anniversary of that event, whatever, whatever else we think, you know, 
surely we should just, you know, being as we are the football family who can show all this empathy when we need to, should just be able to say, yeah, okay, fine. We accept that. That's okay. Now, appreciably, personally, I, I think a lot of this actually stems from Dalgleish, and I, I've lost a huge amount of respect for him recently with the Suarez affair, but one of the reasons why I thought he was a, a terrific bloke was his reaction to Hillsborough and the way that he, he behaved around it and and his concern for the families. And I think, I don't know how, whether it actually stemmed from him, you know, whether he was the first one to say, we are not playing on that day. Um, whether that, that came from Liverpool, whether that came directly from him and it, and it sort of spiralled from there. Um, but it is, it's still such a hugely emotive issue up there and, and, I can appreciate why they say, look, no, I'm simply just not doing it. I understand that, John. All I'm saying is that no one, you know, sort of tried to put in a, in a, in a reasoned way uh, an opposite argument for it. it I, if, if they don't want to play on Sunday, fine, they don't have to play on Sunday. But the FA, the FA have, have said OK to that and then tried to back everything else into it. And it's, it's the whole thing, you know, so... Mm. You get a semi-final played at twelve thirty on a Saturday because they can. There's rail works on 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 the weekend or something. I mean, we've yeah. all been we've all been around this country to games that have been rescheduled where it, it was absolutely apparent to us that neither the Premier League nor the FA gave a toss whether you spent the night sleeping by the roadside. Mm. You know, and so I, I just the whole planning of this thing just seems to be. Just a ridiculous fiasco. You play the games at three o'clock on a Saturday and a Sunday, and and done. You know, that's when we play football. Three o'clock, or maybe four o'clock, mm. perhaps two o'clock. But all this, you know, twelve thirty. And I, I made a joke when when we beat Benfica that now we were one nil up. Uh, the FA would move our semi final to the Monday. Well, they've damn, they've had a damn good try. <laughs> <laughs> they've taken a good yeah, yeah. And you know, you you start thinking, are they moving this because of um, you know, foreign audiences, but then you think, well, it suits the US, but it certainly doesn't suit the Eastern market where football seems to be looking more and more to, to, to play a game at six o'clock on a, a Sunday evening. I'd, as I say, I just I find the whole, you know, on the one hand, we're supposed to look up to this holy grail of a competition that is so much a national treasure that, you know, it, it, it can't be sponsored by anyone, they can only be with it. And uh, on the other hand, they just shunt it around here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I just uh, find the whole thing. But I, I think if they thought they could have got away with it, they would have put one set of goals down the touch lines, one set of goals there, put all four teams in there, and told them to get on with it. Everyone fight for your seats. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's you know, obviously we caveat it with the fact, yes, we're not through against Benfica yet, and this may all be an utterly irrelevant conversation. But I, I think you know, but it's not irrelevant, John, because it's you know, this is apart true. from the Benfica thing. It's just the playing a semi-final at the fag end of the weekend is just you know, we're not Italy, we're not Spain, we don't play Sunday night football. In this country, we talked about this last week. Yeah. The, Germ the Germans would not stand for this. Well, they wouldn't. That's neither the damn well should we. I think. Know? I think that's that's part of the the point is is that over over the you know the, the last few days and over the next couple of weeks that there will be 
lots of gentlemen of, of, of our age and vintage all having a good old rant on whatever with medium that they would they choose. This is, this is the nation. But they'll all they still go. That's the problem. They had thousands of complaints when TV switched over to watch Nel- Nelson Mandela being released from prison. I think it was something <laughs> like it was the Antiques Roadshow. Or something like that. You know, so uh, we like our things to be where they are, supposedly. But with our football, we're now prepared to go and watch it anywhere at any time you know it's 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 ridiculous and as i say the the fact that the fact that most of what they're saying is contradictory i.e we can't play at three o'clock because there's a four o'clock game but then they can play the liverpool everton game on the same day as the grand national and at the same time as espn are showing their premier league game Mm. doesn't stack up and like much of what the fa does doesn't stack up this is very true. I'm finished. Um, I, no, that's, that's absolutely fine. Well, I, you know, personally, I, I've always thought it, 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 it never happens, but it would be wonderful to see the day where, you know, legions of football fans actually look at the, the travel arrangements they're being asked to make and, you know, all of the other sacrifices. And they all just turned around and said, no, fuck off. We're not doing it. Keep your tickets. Play the game in front of a half-empty stadium. And, and that way, the message might get across. But well, weren't some people buying happen. their tickets before? I, I think weren't the tickets yeah, I, on I sale before they before, announced um, the time? Yeah, they, the announcement of the time came later in the day. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, it's an well, even bigger it's loss. Our, it's the same as our um, season ticket issue, isn't it? You know, you, you'll have bought your season ticket before you find out that Roy Evans has been bought out of retirement and put in. <laughs> <laughs> Would he do? Would he do any worse a job than Kenny Dalglish? We ask ourselves, but you know that's that's another matter. Um, I think that probably rounds us up for this week. Now we've had a, a good old shout. Um, anyone have anything to add of any type whatsoever? Feel free from, to do so. Nothing from me. I think I think we've covered those subjects quite quite nicely. Excellent. And for those who you know believe that we 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 like Paul McCartney and Stevie Wonder sit in separate studios, going over edits, sending tapes across def- various different bodies of water. Um, we are an hour and nine minutes into a, our live podcast or whatever it is. Well, I think it's probably, um, probably a reasonable time to, before the audience, uh, you know, the, the, those who use it to commute and all that, to start driving into lampposts and stuff. Yeah. I just wanted to say one thing because oh. we have we have now a large Belgian contingent in this uh, club. Most of them, obviously, out on loan. Load. See them, <laughs> but I think it, it's a moment for us to stand back and uh, say congratulations to the Flandrian legend Tom Boonen, who today won his third Tour of Flanders. His third Tour, didn't he? Yeah, no, yes. I saw. And uh, it, of that. and in the week where we lost uh, Jockey Wilson, and we were all probably bemoaning uh, the demise of the vaguely. Uh, off-centre character who still manages to dominate his sport. Let's not forget that uh, in a in a sport dominated by cheating through drug taking, all Tommy's ever been caught for is cocaine. It's a bit of Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a win a win for the old the old style approach to sport. I think instead of going out and getting pissed, he just but <laughs> well done, Tommy. A bit of toot, and it's all good. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Belgium, Belgium is a light tonight, as they say. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, 
Well, that's a, a wonderful note to end on, I feel. Um, if you have any comments, suggestions, abuse, or whatever, please do feel free to leave it on uh, the website, which is www.chelseafcblog.com. Um, until next week and our more unfocused rambling, careful with your jerry cans and don't overeat the pasties, and we will see you all very soon. Good night. Good, Good night, night. Matt.